Welcome to the I Am Woman Project. I'm your host, Catherine Plano. I am a creative soul adventurer, a modern day alchemist, and a transformational coach for entrepreneurs, businesses, leaders, and for those who want to break the cycle of convention and redefine success one step at a time. I am on a mission to empower the conscious people of this world, those who seek to learn, grow, understand and become the very best version of themselves that they can be. Every week we have thought leaders, change instigators and inspirational human beings from around the globe that offer you profound teachings and recent discoveries from the world of neuroscience, positive, cognitive and spiritual psychology to help you build wealth, health, love and achieve lasting transformation. So join us here every week for new lessons on how to lead a life that matters, how to escalate your life after failure, and how to inject more meaning, connection, and resilience into your life and your business. This week, as always, we have another amazing guest for you. We have the lovely Vienna Farron. Vienna Farron is one of New York City's top licensed marriage and family therapists and the founder of the Mindful MFT community on Instagram, where her teaching reaches over 500,000 readers daily. She has a Master of Science in Marriage and Family Therapy from Northwestern University and trained extensively at the Family Institute, Betty D. Harris Center. Through her practice, Mindful Marriage and Family Therapy, Vienna offers a a systemic and collaborative approach to help her clients identify their patterns, explore their story, and create healthier goals. She looks at people and their relationships through the lens of their family systems and believes that understanding origin stories is crucial in healing and transformation. Vienna has been featured on The Economist, Netflix, Vogue and Men's Health and has spoken on stages all around the world. Vienna is recognized as one of the great relationship influences of our time. It's now time to tune into this one very inspirational human being. Enjoy. Wow. Today we have the lovely Vienna Farron all the way from the US. Welcome to I Am Woman Project. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. So Vienna, what part of the US are you? Because the US is quite big, isn't it? Yes, <laughs> As I was is, saying, it I was like, uh, probably, probably uh, should have asked what, what part of the US you're from. Yeah, so so normally I am based in New York City, um, but we are currently in Idaho, in Coeur d'Alene, um, which is a state that I had never visited before. Um, really happy to be here. It's so beautiful, so nice to be in nature, um, and you know, out of out of the city for for right now. So yeah, little little uh, switch. We we did a um, cross country trip. Uh, and brought our dog out here. So it's been a, it's really been beautiful and, and grounding. Oh, gorgeous. Beautiful. Okay. So Vienna, the way that we love to start the show is we always love to ask our woman of inspiration, her unique story. So Vienna, tell us, how did you get to where you are today? Sure. Yeah. So uh, I'm a marriage and family therapist. Um, I work with individuals and couples within the context of relationships. Um, and so my my story sort of journeys back into my own family system. Um, my parents were separated uh, when I was in first grade, and uh, many of the people who who uh, follow me know know a lot of this story already. But they went through a nine year divorce in the state of New Jersey at the time. It was the the record holder. Um, I am an only child, and uh, so I was sort of the witness and observer to, you know, you can imagine uh, some chaos and drama uh, within that nine-year span that, you know, obviously started before the separation and also continued past uh, the the actual divorce itself, uh, the legal divorce, um, and so. I witnessed and watched and experienced and felt into a lot in in this relationship dynamic that I saw between my my mother and my father. Um, 
I, from a probably what what we call a fear-based place originally, wanted to make sure that I would never experience something like that uh, for my own self. Um, I think when you go through trauma in the way that I did through, through the divorce. Um, you know, I sort of took this path of like, okay, like let's make sure that I never have to go through something like that again. Um, you know, that was probably a bit of the catalyst around wanting to understand what goes into healthy relationships, right? Why are some relationships functional? Why are others dysfunctional? How do I make sure that I safeguard myself from ever having to go through anything that either of them went through? Um, that has obviously evolved and shifted. Um, I, I don't have, you know, that approach with the work anymore, but it was the catalyst, um, to trying to understand cause it was nothing healthy was really modeled for me. My parents never remarried. Um, that was their first relationship, their only relationship. Um, and you know, that relationship was the model that I saw and I saw a lot of things and I experienced a lot of things and there were a lot of expectations, um, you know, whether they explicitly stated them or not that I felt, um, as a child in that system. Uh, and so, yeah, I became really curious about relationships. I became very curious about families. Um, and, and so after, my undergraduate degree, uh, which was in psychology, I then continued on um, with a master's in marriage and family therapy, um, and I have really committed, you know, my my life and my work to uh, understanding relationships. Um, so I, yeah, I work with couples and individuals um, day in and day out, um, and. Yeah, live, breathe, sweat, cry, you know, cry this workout um, because I think it's so important for us to have a better understanding and that this information is uh, should be out there for every single human being to begin to understand. Um, yeah, like how how our past really does affect and impact who we choose, why we get into certain patterns and um, dynamics and relationships. So, yeah. Mm, that sounds. Oh, this is a big one and we can go really deep in this topic. So we can. I'm curious, what what's some of the, the common themes that you're seeing when it comes to relationships? Mm. Um, I mean, I think that's a, that's a pretty broad question. But yeah, I mean, I think that we are oftentimes coming forward with um, an issue around communication. I would say that pretty much every couple who presents would say that we're having some issues around communication, but but really a lot of that goes into a lack of self and relational awareness. So, you know, many of the topics that come forward in relationship are our ability to navigate conflicts um, in a healthy a reparative way. I'm a big believer that conflict is, can be, um, a gateway for connection and intimacy, um, that we can learn so much about ourselves and each other, uh, if we can learn how to tune into this, but that our origin stories around conflict tend to have us shy away from it, have us, um, associate terrible things with conflict, passive aggressiveness, abuse, um, you know, brushing it under the rug, never coming back around to it, anger, divorce, et cetera. Um, so conflict is a big one. Um, boundaries, right? How do we navigate boundaries in, in relationship? Um, sex and intimacy is a big one. Um, you know, topics around in-laws and finances, right? So you know, you can really find anything <laughs> in relationship, right? But sort of this breakdown in how can I see myself and how can I see you, right? And how can I hold this space for myself and you simultaneously um, in order to find repair or in order to find a way forward? And a lot of times people, regardless of whatever the topic is that's presenting for them, um, you know, get stuck in this space, Mm, it's so true because, I mean, whatever it is, whether it's communication, boundaries, uh, sex or your in-laws, that's just the obstacle, right? It's, it's, uh, mm -hmm. it's just 
um, how do you get, I guess, through the obstacle or under the obstacle? And as you were speaking, I was thinking that it's so true. When you go through conflict, if you allow yourself to communicate openly without judgment, that's where the connection happened. But I don't feel like, and I'm just going from my experience and what I've seen around me, that takes a lot of, mm-hmm. um, I guess, understanding and self-awareness as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. I think, you know, one of the biggest, most important um like muscles that we can develop and strengthen is the muscle of self-awareness and the muscle of relational awareness, right? This idea of why do I do the things that I do? What is my programming? What is my conditioning? What are my associations, right? We have to have a deep understanding of our story. And, you know, if we're in an intimate relationship with someone, ideally we have a, um, an intimate understanding of their story as well. And I think, a lot of times we we have missing links in relationships. We we sort of see the outcome, we see the way in which a person is responding or reacting, but we don't understand uh, the the origin story of that. Right? Why is a person responding this way? Why is a person reacting this way? Why is a person defending themselves in this way? Right? Like we're constantly moving ourselves into safety right? Our job is to make sure that we are safe and, and safety sometimes comes across as being defensive, being shut down, um, needing to be right, needing to prove a point, right? But on the outside, when we experience those things, those things tend to be quite disconnected in relationship, right? If I need to prove my point, if I need to be right, if I need to disconnect, if I need to shut down, we would generally say that those things are disconnectors. They are disconnectors, but they are also protectors for the individual. And so when we don't know how to be in what I call a two-person model, right? Me and you, right? Oftentimes we sort of shoot back into this space of being in a one-person model. How do I protect myself? Um, Obviously, there's a range here, right? If we're tra- talking about um, those who have experienced tr- trauma before, right? This is this, um, you know, this navigating that path might look different than someone who hasn't experienced trauma before, right? Like, what does it look like to know that you are safe and in a safe dynamic with someone? Um, but to move into this space of recognizing that there is a system, right, that is larger than just me, right, is something that we don't you know, we're not taught, we don't necessarily know how to navigate in healthy and functional ways, especially if it wasn't something that was demonstrated and modeled for us in, you know, our family system. Mm, It's so true. And as you were speaking, I was just thinking about when you first start a relationship, how we're very conscious and we're conscious about the way we speak, the way we behave, the way Mm -hmm. we react and respond to everything around us. And I think once we start becoming really comfortable with one another, this is when I think um, our stories, like our narratives or our past, really comes forward and we start projecting this onto our partner or in our relationships. What are your thoughts around that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I think in the beginning of relationship, most of us are trying to, quote unquote, put our best foot forward. Mm-hmm. Um And so we're really considering how another person is experiencing us and perceiving us. That tends to be um, sort of this framework in which we operate, right? I want you to like me. I want you to choose me. I want you to want to see me again, for example, right? Mm -hmm. And so we sort of go off of that and think like, who do I need to be, right, in order for that to happen? So we actually wind up oftentimes shape-shifting a bit in the beginning of a relationship, right? If we're dating, it's like, who do I need to be in order for you to like me as opposed to who I actually am? Now, we also do put forward a good, you know, first impression. And so um, most people, right, tend to try to be considerate and thoughtful. Um, What are the rules and expectations that we tend to hold when we're first meeting someone Um, are that those things are different than when we have more months or years um, or decades under our belt. Right. We might have a different expectation or set of sort of covert agreements in our mind is like, oh, I'm not going to tell this person that I didn't like that they didn't text me back for two days because I think it's too early to say that to them. It is very different than if that were happening, you know, 
eight months into a relationship or 10 years into a relationship, right? You're not going to probably hold that information back, right? So this idea that we are on our best footing in the beginning is sort of true, but there's, there is sort of nuance to that because one might also argue that we're not actually bringing our full selves forward because we are, um, shifting ourselves in such a way in order to be liked and accepted and wanted by the other person. And we are basing that off of what we believe they are going to want. Right. Um, so it, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting sort of take on, you know, the beginning of relationship and, you know, how we present then and then how we start to present differently as, as time goes by. Mm, Cause you, you see it often like when, when couples meet the first time they meet, it's like they can't get enough of each other. And, you know, they mm-hmm. think like, you know, for example, I, I, I know that for when I first met my husband, I thought the sun was shining out of his crown chakra, <laughs> right? And there's nothing uh-huh. he could do wrong, nothing. But, yeah. you know, after, you know, 10 years down the track, it's like there's these little niggly things that I probably didn't notice, even like maybe two or three years uh, into our relationship. It's like these little things I probably didn't notice when I first met him that now are affecting me. And I'm like, isn't that strange? I never picked up on these things. So what do you think creates that shift? Because you you see this often, there's these things, it's like you hear people go, oh, my, my partner is completely a different person who I thought they were when I first met them. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I think this shift from, you know, we often call it the honeymoon phase. Um, and then we shift into the integrated love phase, meaning that the, the quirks begin to present the irritations, the annoyances, the, yeah, the sunshine that's, uh, beaming from the crowd. Yeah. It's no longer there. You know, (laughs) it's a, it's a rainy and cloudy day and you're like, wait, where did it go? Um, you know, and, and so all of a sudden the, the shoe drops and they're not these, they, or we are not these sort of perfect beings where it's like, oh my gosh, connection. This is amazing. You can do no wrong. Everything you touch is gold. And all of a sudden there's this shift that happens and not everything you touch is gold. In fact, the way that you chew is really pissing me off and the way that you hold your fork. Oh my gosh, I can't believe it. And the, this and the, that, and wow, you uh, leave your dirty clothes in the bathroom. I don't understand. You know, like all of those things begin to present and also things that are even more serious than that, right? Maybe we have our first significant conflict and I see the way in which you, um, the way in which you get angry and it scares me, or I, I start to see the way in which you treat, um, wait staff, you know, you start to see some of these things that maybe you were not going to see before, because again, we're on our best behavior. Um, we are, you know, if we're really aligned and hitting it off, we might just be in this sort of high, um, phase of, of the dynamic. And so, yeah, this, this shoe drops and it opens us up to the sort of full truth of who we are, our history, uh, what has come along with us, maybe what has not been integrated in our lives yet. Um, and it's the, it's the struggle that we are either going to choose to take on together or potentially, right, choose to walk away from. And that's where I think that drop happens is like we move from that honeymoon phase and that integrated love phase is available to us. And it's like, do I want to pull up my sleeves and get my hands dirty here and put in the work? Or, you know, do I want to walk away from this? Um, you know, you obviously decided to pull your, <laughs> pull your sleeves up and, you know, put in the work. Um, and, and, you know, for those, I, I don't know if, your listeners are partnered or, or, um, maybe more in the dating phase, but I think it's something to you know consider and think of whether you are dating or when you're looking at your partner to say like, yeah, what, you know, what has dropped here for me and what do I need to get curious about? Mm, I love that. And I, I think we, before we got on the show, we were talking about rhythm and cycles and I believe that, and this is just a part of a rhythm and cycle that relationships go through. You're talking about the honeymoon phase and then you drop into another phase and absolutely mm-hmm. it's, it's takes work like you know Mm -hmm. quite often my husband and I will say you know we always get complimented about relationship but it's taken us years of communication that's one that's the thing we talk a lot and talk through things um to get us where to where we are today but uh I also know other friends that have given up really quickly that have haven't done Mm -hmm. haven't like Mm -hmm. you said rolled their sleeves up and done the deep work 
Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I think it. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts? I mean, you're you're around this all the time. Do you think people do tend to give up really quickly, or what would be some advice you'd give to those in those relationships that are like, can I be bothered, or do I do the deep work? What would you say to them? Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I do think that there's a range. I, I, you know, I work with plenty of couples and I, I get to see, um, so many relationships who are doing that beautiful, deep work that is confronting and challenging. Um, you know, I think what, what's the thing that makes a person say, no, 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 I got to get away from this, you know? And, and what's important for us to explore is yeah. Like what's presenting, what, what is showing up, Right. Is this something that they know that is familiar and do they want to get away from it as quickly as possible? Or is it part of a pattern in which, you know, the 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 first moment someone shows, uh, you know, what they might consider a flaw, um, you know, do they run because they have some story that the person they're going to be with needs to be perfect or can, has to be without this? You know, there's there's so much that can play into this, right? Does the person do something that resembles uh, something that a parent used to do? You know, like there's many things that can be showing up in that moment. And that's why these moments are full, full of information for us to get to know, right? I think if there is a pattern that is happening in our lives that we are recognizing and noticing, for example, someone who flees at the first sight of something that might be difficult in a relationship, right? Our job is to really tune into that, to, to be an observer of ourselves, to say, okay, like this is a pattern that I am recognizing in myself, or maybe a therapist is noticing it with you, or maybe a friend is giving feedback to say, Hey, you know, I, I think that you cut people off really quickly. What's, you know, what's going on? here. And if we can take an open-hearted approach, right, as opposed to shutting down, being defensive to it, we can get curious, right? We can start to look for information. What is happening in this space that's making me want to want to run away? What am I afraid of having happen if I stay, right? Sometimes we're running away for, for good reason. And other times we, part of our work and healing and growth is turning back towards, right? Pivoting back in and saying, okay, I need to start facing some of this. That is only for the for the person in the experience to identify. Right? We, you know, this is such nuanced work and it is all dependent on who is in front of me, right? Um, and what their story is. Uh, there is no one answer here of you should always be turning back or you should always be running, right? It's it's let's understand your story and what it is that you witnessed, what it is that you've experienced and how that informs your decisions present day. Mm. And, you know, it's it just the other day I was having a conversation with a friend who's currently going through a separation and um, we were just having this conversation about what – um, creates individuals to be unfaithful out of the mm-hmm. like out of the blue, like just mm-hmm. you know, and it and links into everything you were saying. That sometimes it's it's all these things they've been carrying that um, they probably haven't had mm-hmm. the the courage to have that conversation. It goes back to communication, right? Not having or not being able to have that conversation, then they break up, um, and mm-hmm. then all of a sudden, you know, maybe years go on and. Then the other person that was the one that was unfaithful wants to get back because they realize the grass was not greener on the other side. And do you see Mm. this often play out? Mm -hmm. Mm. I I wouldn't say that I see it that often in my practice. Um, it, It certainly can happen. I think that there's a lot of awareness that can take place for an individual after there is a break, right? So whether the break is because there's a rupture due to infidelity or there is, you know, a break that's, that is taken and had for, for some other reason. But when a person starts doing some of their own work on the other side of that, um, they might begin to realize, um, some of the things that they weren't able to identify before. Right. So, so it's not uncommon, right. It's, it's, it's not strange that someone would exit, um, and then want to come back together. I mean, a few years later is significant. Um, you know, that, that does sound like a person put in, you know, quite a bit of work. I think what is maybe more common is sort of the breakup and the ending. And then very soon thereafter, someone saying, no, 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 I, you know, I can't be without you. Um, and you know, the, 
the threat around uh, loneliness or uh, or being alone, not having relationship, et cetera, um, can move a person sort of back into a dynamic quickly without there actually having been work. But you know what you described here, where it was like you know many years later. Um, and whether whether the experience was I've dated other people and, you know, I, I realized that what I was looking for is, you know, is not that different than, you know, what I had or I thought there was somebody better out there. But what I realized is that that isn't true or I haven't come across that, um, you know, that that to me feels like it was actually probably a pretty significant, um, you know, deep dive into their own work to say, you know, I, I really had to heal maybe some of my own inner stuff um, in order to come back into this relationship and be fully present, um, and, and maybe fully committed, but, um, yeah, it's hard to say without knowing more of the details Mm -hmm. and, and the work that the two of them did, um, apart from one another, but it absolutely does happen. And I think when people take that work very seriously, um, you know, something that may have been off or may not have been able to be communicated in the first version of the relationship, um, we now have more courage and confidence and clarity around naming it and bringing it forward in, in this second version of the relationship. Um, as Esther Perel uh, says, you know, when there's an infidelity specifically, you know, there's a death that tends to happen to this first relationship, right? It, it does die. And, and then we sort of start a new relationship. There's a birth to a new relationship. So there is something that has to die off um, in a dynamic where we're just not clicking, right? Where there's, there isn't, there's something that is deeply misaligned. And and sometimes we have to go off and do our own sort of individual work. And if we come back together, beautiful. Um, If we come back together with new humans, beautiful, right? Like that outcome, we're not so committed to, it needs to be you. It's just, it needs to be different. Uh, It needs to be different than before. Yeah, it's so true. And Vienna, I, I think that as you're saying that, I have seen that. I have seen where people mm-hmm. have broken up, they've done the deep work and they've come back uh, and it's mm-hmm. a different relationship. And I, and I think that it's because initially the one was the, the other person's shadow almost, right? They, beca- they lost this self-identity in this relationship that mm-hmm. where the split was the death and then they um, uh, this individual definitely um found her her well, I call it her mojo back she got her mojo back she found herself again mm-hmm. she worked on herself she did the things that she wanted to because when I asked her what is it that you want out of life she couldn't tell me what she wanted out of life because she mm-hmm. was so lost and absorbed in this relationship so I, I have seen this play out it's pretty amazing yeah it really is and you know I think I think just as many times as that happens is that people don't, you know, they separate, they don't do the work and then they still try to get back together, you know, and so we Mm -hmm. have to be able to really discern whether or not we're letting people back into our space or we're going back into somebody else's space, um, having shifted something, right. Having learned something, having, having integrated something. When people ask me like, you know, is it okay to give people second chances or third chances or 10th chances, you know, whatever, whatever the iteration is, um, I always say that the prerequisite is that they're able to articulate what their growth has been, you know, that they're able to articulate and demonstrate, um, how they have integrated their growth, uh, and their healing, because otherwise we do, you know, even with space or even, you know, love is not always enough, you know, choice is not always enough. Good intent is not always enough, right? We, we need to be able to shift what it is that we were doing before that was not working, right? To something different. Because if we just come right back in because, oh, but I love you so much, or we come back and I cannot live my life without you. I come back in because, uh, I, you know, I can't do, you know, it's like, that is not good enough, right? That is not an answer, right? That is not integrated change. Um, and, and that's something that we have to be very careful of. Mm. And I, I think also, Another really important aspect of a relationship for me is, uh, apart from all the things that you talked about, communication, boundaries, et cetera, Mm -hmm. is accountability. I think Mm -hmm. that once you say you can actually stand in your own truth and say, you know what, I'm the one that stuffed up or I'm the one that did wrong or, uh, and not blaming it, it, it's, it's, that to me is a game changer. 
I can't tell you how how big that is for me. What are your thoughts about accountability in a relationship? Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I think our ability to own and take accountability is um, so powerful. And <clears throat> I find it, you know, um, my my definition of self-love is the intersection of accountability and compassion for the self. I'm a big believer that in order to love ourselves, to be in healthy relationship with the self, and then also to be in healthy relationship with the other, is that there is this sort of beautiful nuance of compassion for the fact that we are human and we will mess up and we will say the wrong thing. And sometimes we'll do the wrong thing and we'll hurt each other. We'll let each other down, right? Those things, those things will happen. We'll let ourselves down, right? And so I have to have compassion for the self, right? That I am this human being who is allowed to do that. And I must also have accountability with the self, right? Because if I just let myself off the hook and it's like, hey, well, it's, you're human and everybody does that. So no worries, like light and love, you know, that that's, that's not going to work, right? Self-love and love for other to be in something that is healthy to me is the intersection of compassion and gentleness with the self and accountability and ownership. We must be able to look at the parts of ourselves and the parts of each other that are doing things that are hurting or harming others that are acting out in some way that are leading us down a path that maybe is disconnective. Um, and, and we need to be able to tune into that and, and hold space for it. So, uh, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I think there's nothing more powerful than having a partner or two who stands and says, I see, I see, you know, I mm. see what I've done, right. I, I can acknowledge this. <clears throat> it's, um, it's such a powerful uh, tool, um, or way of being, especially in conflict. I, I find it to be such a diffuser. The moment that someone just says, yeah, I see it, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. So you're, you're right. I, I did that. You know, yeah. I, I can take accountability for this. It diffuses the part of the cycle that feels like it needs to prove the point or show how hurt we are or, you know, like explain something away and, and push and push and push. And so accountability, our ability to move into that space and still hold ourselves with kind regard, right? Just because I'm taking accountability for something doesn't mean that I am, um, an individual who is undeserving, unworthy of, of love, connection, belonging, uh, et cetera. And so what it's so important in this work that I can hold accountability and receive feedback without thinking that I am a terrible human. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and so when a person is capable of doing that, oh my gosh, the diffusing that happens in conflict is so powerful to watch because then we can actually move forward and towards one another and have a beautiful conversation, a healing reparative conversation from there. It's so true. I, it's, I've, I've, I'm, I've got a smile on my face because I know there's times where I've created this story in my mind and I was about to, to, I knew exactly what I was going to say, had all mm -hmm. planned out. In my head, you know, if he wasn't going to um, uh, like acknowledge, then I was going to say this. And, and you know, as soon as I um, had the conversation and it was like the whole I take responsibility, I'm accountable, you're right. It was like, oh, mm -hmm. I made all this, like I planned this and I, we had a good laugh about it. And I said, I planned this whole conversation about how it was going to play out and it's diffused because the mm -hmm. accountability, like you said, it just, it just knocks it on, it knocks it on the head and it doesn't go okay. anywhere. It's done. Yeah. You know, I, I, sometimes I forget to, to acknowledge this when we're talking about something like this, like this can really only be done in a safe relationship. Right. So as, as you were speaking there, I'm thinking about, you know, anybody who's listening, who, who's in an abusive relationship, right. We have to be very careful about this, right. Because I think this idea that, you know, for those of, those of us who maybe are in dynamic where everything is our fault. Right. And so it's like, okay, I just have to take accountability for this to diffuse a situation. Right. Mm -hmm. can be a really, you know, that can actually be very life-saving. And so we just have to be careful. I want to make sure that we, you know, just mark it and asterisk yes. it and name it and say it out loud here. Just, just to be clear that what I'm talking about here is, is something that we do in a safe relationship and mm -hmm. a relationship where it is even and equal and respect their there's respect there um, because otherwise we're talking about something entirely different. Um, and so, yes, when we're, when we're in a safe dynamic, right, doing this is such 
such a beautiful way of re-engaging in connection um, and allowing for healing and repair to, to actually happen. Uh, that would not be true if it was not a safe dynamic. Good call out, Vienna. You're right. Yeah. Spot on. Yeah. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm curious, Vienna, throughout your journey, what has been your greatest lesson that you have learned thus far in, in this space, working Ooh. with relationships and family systems for yourself? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, gosh, there's there are there are many. Um, I think one that really stands out to me is um, I mentioned earlier that I'm an only child and um my, my parents through their divorce, there was a tremendous amount of chaos, hostility, gaslighting, manipulation, um, paranoia, right? There, there was a lot that was going on there. And I saw two people, um, as I described, sort of crashing and burning, um, they were doing this crashing and burning in their own specific ways. It did not resemble one another. Um, but, 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 from a child's perspective, I looked at them and thought that they were, they were not okay. Now they were functioning adults and, um, they were able to absolutely give me all of my, you know, basic needs. But what I saw were two people who were not doing well. And one of my takeaways as a child was that not something that I would have been able to articulate back then. But when I, when I look back at her, um, I, I became a kid who was pretty self-sufficient and independent. Um, I did not want to add any stress to a system that was already crashing and burning around me. Um, And so if you asked me um, any given day, at any point, I was always okay, I was always fine, and no, I didn't need anything. And I went off and did my own thing. And, and really, I was quite successful at anything that I put my mind to. Um, I was, a, you know, a great kid. And I, um, and I did well. I was well-rounded. And I did well at anything that I uh, took on. Now, now, fast forward, um, I was also the girl and the teenager and the young woman and, um, uh, and, and probably not, not too long ago, surprisingly, um, if you ask me, I was fine. Okay. Nothing bothered me. And I was really needless. I I presented as a needless woman, um, especially in, in relationship, um, romantic relationship. Um, and I remember having this awareness, um, gosh, I don't know what it is now. Maybe, seven years ago or so, six, seven years ago, um, I was in a relationship with someone and, um, they were deciding between staying in the relationship with me or going back to the person they were in relationship with before. Um, the person who they were in relationship with before had sort of come back around and said they wanted to be back together. And I remember him sort of going, you know, he was deeply affected by this. This was a very big decision for him that he was taking very seriously. Um, you know, it was not coming easily to him. And, you know, as a therapist, um, (laughs) I'm really good at understanding people. (laughs) So, you know, the hat that makes me a really great therapist maybe does not make me, um, a, a great person for myself at the time to honor and respect my experience. And so I held so much space and I understood what he was going through. I was like, take your time. So, you know, all of this and no, 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 it's not a problem. I'm okay with it. When the reality was I wasn't. Um, and I, and I remember this being such a, an aha moment for me to actually tune into my own experience as opposed to being the extension of this little girl who was trained by her own self to just be fine, to not need anything because the system around her was crashing and burning. And she thought that if she expressed her needs or expressed a boundary that it couldn't handle it. And you know, the risk in that is that when we do express a need or we take a stand on something, the system might not actually be able to handle it, right? The relationship might end um, and you might not get the outcome that you desire. But this awareness, this aha moment in my life was so profound because I just realized how, for how long I had actually been maintaining her. And I, I sort of woke up that, that in that moment. And I realized this is not okay. 
I, I don't feel okay. I feel disrespected in this space. Um, and I remember calling him that night saying, you know, I care deeply for you. Um, but this no longer feels good for me. And so I'm actually, I'm just going to remove myself from the equation. Um, you know, I never felt like it was about him choosing me or this other woman. It was more about him choosing himself, right? Whatever that looked like for him. But I knew that he was just drowning in this space. And for me, taking a stand for myself and honoring this aha, gosh, it really changed the, the trajectory for me. Um, my husband now would say that I have no qualms <laughs> at all about expressing boundaries and needs. And, and, it, and the truth is it really opened up, um, this freedom of speech for me, right? This freedom to just share when I'm upset about something and that, that to, and to trust, at least in this dynamic with my husband, um, I have an incredible partner that, that the system can hold it. And I think, for me to move into a space with a human being who, who became part of a system with me in this, in this relationship to say, I know that you can, you can hold what it is that I've got. I know that the system can, can take it, that we can shake with each other and that we can also move through it together. So yeah, I would say that that's probably one of the biggest ahas and, and really breakthroughs, um, of my life that has really changed my course. Wow. Powerful. Very powerful. And I had a smile and goosebumps. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, of course. So Vienna, mm -hmm. what do you think is one quality that everyone must have in a relationship? Mm. I mean, really, it has to be self-awareness. I get mm -hmm. this question all the time, right? Like what's the most important quality? And truly we can go down the path of like communication and, tr you know, trustworthiness and honesty and appreciation, right? All of those things are beautiful, wonderful, lovely. Like they are needed, but without self-awareness, we cannot do any of those things well. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, so I always come back to self-awareness, understanding the self, understanding um, the relationship, the other person, um, when we're ready to do that additional work is probably the key for me in navigating into a healthy dynamic. Oh, I love that. So true. So as we start wrapping up the show, we always love to ask our woman of inspiration, pick one word that best describes her personal brand. What would be that one word for you, my dearest? Mm, that's a great question. I have a few that are coming forward. So, um, hmm. if you could see me, I have my eyes closed, mm, I'm feeling my, it. <laughs> my hand on my heart and belly and just tuning in. Um, I think I would say integrated. Mm. Yeah. There, you know, there's a lot of powerful words, but I think integrated for me is, is, is so important. I speak so much about it. It is the way in which I try to live, right? That the inside matches the outside, the outside matches the inside, right? That, mm -hmm. that we are living in integrity. Um, and so, yeah, I, I aim for, for myself, for my work, for the brand, for the practice to be in integrity, uh, in every moment that it can. Um, so yeah, integration or integrity, I would say. I love that. And as before you even said that, I actually, uh, visualized you closing your eyes and I just, um, mm. felt love this, this sense oh. of love. So when you said I have my place, my hand over my heart, I was like, Oh, I felt that. Yeah. I did feel that. So last question, Vienna, we always love to wrap up the show with this last question. What are three shiny gold nuggets that you would like to leave for our mm. listeners today. So that could be three practical exercises for our audience. Mm -hmm. So I know that um, the team sent over a couple of like relationship journals that your listeners can mm -hmm. uh, utilize um, at home in their own time. But I think what I would say is, okay, some of my favorite prompts. Um, I think I shared this one with you before that 
is what I'm about to say or do going to lead me to healing and peace or, you know, suffering and potentially a pattern. So this idea of bringing awareness into, um, like sort of front and center for us, when we can start to practice sort of being in the moment with decisions or words or things that we're going to do, um, I love, I love, love, love that prompt of, yeah, is what I'm about to say going to lead me here or there? And trying to really answer as honestly as possible. Um, and then, you know, adjusting accordingly. Um, so that's a, that's a little tool, um, that, that I like to use quite often just for myself even, um, but also with my clients. Um, I think to reiterate what I said about, um, you know, self, self love, sort of this practice of, can I have compassion for the self and accountability with the self? And so, you know, maybe thinking any listeners right now, just thinking about a tension that you have, right. Some, some space in your life in which you maybe feel, um, guilt or embarrassment or frustration or anger and tuning into, um, where you can have compassion with the self if that's needed and where there might be a little room for accountability and ownership and just noticing what comes up in that space, right? Do you start to feel agitated in your body? Do you need to pause? Do you need to put your feet on the ground? Like what needs to happen to ground in, but to just notice where the reactivity is. Do I have more reactivity around compassion for the self or do I have more reactivity around accountability with the self? Otherwise you notice what's happening in your body. You're going to get a lot of information there that's going to help tune you into some more work that, that you can do, um, you know, something that you can maybe follow up with a therapist or coach or, you know, a trusted individual, um, in your life. Um, and then a third, um, gosh, you know, I, I guess, I could offer another prompt and maybe talk about appreciation, gratitude, things that probably most of your listeners know already, but maybe what I'll leave people with is, um, the fact that we are capable of creating change in our lives and in our relationships, you know, it might be something that in theory we sort of know and accept, but a reminder that I think is so important for us to hear time and time again, especially if you feel like you're in a rut or you feel stuck or you feel like things are not shifting or changing in your life. And I want you to know that, you know, obviously personally and professionally, right? This experience for me, I've, gosh, I've worked with, you know, over 15,000, you know, hours of direct clinical work. Um, and what I am, you know, I'm amazed, but not amazed, right? Because I know it is true is that no matter how much you don't believe in change or unsure or are unsure of change, right? Change can happen. Um, it is something that we have control over with the things that live inside of us, but it's things that it is not something that we have control over when it's things that live outside of us. So we cannot change others, but we can create change within ourselves. We can change the way in which we relate to others. And, you know, I think it's just a reminder that even if you are in something that does not feel good or healthy for you, that that does not need to be where you stay. Um, and you know, where your life's outcome lands. So, um, yeah, I hope that that is mm, so powerful. Uh, it's so true. Something. Yeah. And that's just a, so, such a big one. I can't tell you how many people get into relationships and they try mm -hmm. to change their partner and, you know, yeah. and it, the conversation I have is like, were they like that when you first met them? Yes. But I thought I could change them. Mm -hmm. it's it's such a common one and uh, it well, is a big yeah. one because you can't change other people that's it well I, I don't know if anyone knows how to do it, I'd love to know how but <laughs> no but, but um, it's, you can change we, yourself yeah we just put so much emphasis on our worth being tied to our ability to change others you know what it is that we may not have been able to get from you know a parent for example you know we'll oftentimes choose someone who um, is familiar, right? It doesn't need to be a, a, a you know spitting image or you know sort of mirror exactly what's happened in our um, you know family family lives. But this idea that we're drawn into people who will recreate some of the same and familiar patterns that we are used to, and that the attempt is like, can I get you? I wasn't able to get 
get my parent, for example, to see me, hear me, prioritize me, love me, et cetera. But maybe I can get you, right? So, so much of our worth is tied into, can I see if I can change you? Because if I can change you, right, then I am good. If I can change you, then I am lovable. If I can change you, then I am worthy. And we really need to be able to separate that. Wow. So powerful. Vienna, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show. Where would be the best place for our listeners to find you? Oh, thank you for having me. Um, on Instagram is where I pretty much post daily. Um, so my account is mindful MFT as in marriage family therapy. Um, I am based in New York. Uh, so our website is New York couples counseling.com. So, uh, yeah, most events and you know, what's going on. You can, you can find there. And obviously, uh, people can reach out virtually from anywhere in the world to, to, um, to connect with you and um, and uh, take up your services, of course. So yeah, with with certain services, yes, we you know because I'm licensed uh, in New York, uh, I'm also full. Uh, so and I'm not taking on new okay. clients, but um, yes, anybody can reach out. We have other therapists and coaches who work in the practice. Um, we have some limitations with therapists based on licensing laws, um, but we also have I have a course with my husband, Get the Love You Want, um, which maybe we'll have to send that to you and give your listeners a, a discount code. Mm, um, that'd be great. Yeah, six-week course, um, self and relational awareness, boundaries, conflict, sex and intimacy, all the good stuff um, for anybody who is single or in a relationship. So um, you can do that. So there's retreats, events, workshops, all the good stuff. So yes, you can participate from anywhere in the world just depending on what the service is. Beautiful. So Vienna, we'll have that on the show notes. I just can't thank you enough for your time. Your energy has been awesome. I've really got a lot of this session today. So thank you once again. Of course. Thank you for having me. Thank you so very much for listening to today's episode. If you loved what you heard and this topic really resonated with you and you think it will help others, please share the show with your friends to help us make a difference. And if you want to be part of our mission to help empower the conscious people of this world to learn and grow, then the best way to help us achieve this goal is by giving us a good review on iTunes or please subscribe to the show. The more subscribers, the better the speakers for the show, which then means more value for you so that together we can help the world become a better place. Don't give it another thought. Hit the subscribe button and help people get their weekly lessons. And when you do, please be sure to let us know by sending us an email to collect your special gift, where you have a choice from six guided meditations or an ebook to soothe your soul. Now, if you have any questions or special guests that you would like to hear from, please send us an email to support at katherineplanner.com.au and we will get right back to you. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter or Facebook at Catherine Plano. That's it for now. Until next week, wishing you a fabulous day.